Jesus, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity we have to uh, gather together again outdoors um, to enjoy community, to enjoy uh, and be inspired by your story through scripture and through each of our lives. We just ask that through today's teaching and discussion and time together that each of one of us feel closer to you, closer to one another, that we... Um, Feel the courage that can come from following and trusting and knowing your love. Uh, we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, welcome. Good morning. We do have a couple new faces. Uh, we do things a little bit different at Bloom. Uh, we do discussion-based teaching, so I'll try to talk for like 20, 25 minutes, and then we'll open it up for dialogue, discussion, um, thoughts you may have, questions. Uh, you can answer each other's stuff. We, we feel it's best to not just have the perspective coming from one voice, but to enter into the conversation and the teaching and to provide our own thoughts and perspectives on it. And so feel free to do that or just even to listen and be a fly on the wall. Uh, yeah, other than that, we um, will be taking communion together and you're all invited to do that later. And we do prayer circles at the end, circles of about eight where we share thoughts uh, of thankfulness from the past week or if we have any prayers and it's just a, a time that we can just experience community without uh, on every Sunday together uh, with that um, I, had, I had listened to a podcast this last week um, a new one, one that I've been hearing from many people was popular and kind of um, uh, uh, more and more people had been catching on to it and listening to it, I don't want to share the name or anything else about it, but so many people had suggested, Luke, you got to try listening to this podcast, and it's one way I get a lot of information, and it was a non-spiritual uh, or Christian podcast that has lots of other ideas on things, and so I'm like, fine, I'll, let's try it out. I added to the list and hit download, and uh, this last week's podcast, and it, it had like a clever title and even description, I'm like, oh, I want to hear all about that kind of stuff. Like, this sounds fantastic. I think the, the description was about, like, consumerism or something and how we, uh, it's so easy in our culture to enter into that and something. This is, this is all me, especially those of you who know me. I'm excited about that. But then what I found was it was an interview with uh, a Jewish historian. And uh, they, the dialogue on this hour and a half podcast that I actually listened to the whole thing, even though I thought it was shutting off several times, was how... Um, Islam is a horrible religion that we shouldn't allow to exist any longer and we should find ways to get rid of it. And this is a non-religious podcast. And I was like, wow, this is, this is a deep start to this. What is going on? And they started contrasting it to the Holocaust and why it would be different to get rid of a religion versus a race. And so I was like, we're, this is, we're having this conversation on one of the most popular, I know it's in the top ten podcasts, like it's just something that we're talking about. And it was, it was, it was deeply, um, yeah, it just saddening that the, the way that it was presented and reacted, and it just, it, it really got me thinking differently. Uh, and, I dif and thinking about today's talk too, which is completely not 100% my own, so I've got to get credit for this week was the X Games, and so I did a lot of bartending at my second job, and so I borrowed a friend's message on courage. Last week we spoke on discouragement, 
And so when I knew this busy week was coming up, I'm like, I'm just taking liberty and borrowing someone else's great message, adding my own touch of pizzazz to it and going there. And so we're going to talk about courage today. I'm inspired by, uh, there is a museum called the Yad Vashem in Israel that is about the Holocaust. And this is a place I really want to visit someday. But in there, there is an area that's, that honors the righteous among the nations, is what they call it, the, or they'll just call it the righteous. And these are people that took great risks to help Jews during the Holocaust time, that uh, they protected their, their neighbors or their friends or their coworkers when a time of either, it was either hostility that you saw from non-Jews or indifference, people that I just don't want to take a side, I don't want anything to do with this, and so they would find an indifferent position. And so this museum celebrates, or this, there's a portion of this museum that celebrates these people that went out of their way to, to help. And many were killed, injured, families ruined because of it. But the courage it took to be a part of something like this was, was just beautiful. Um, I, I read about this, I, I look at these things, I watch movies like Schindler's List, and it just, it gets me thinking, would I have been one of these people? You'd like to think, oh yeah, that would be me, but it's worth, like, would I, would I have been courageous, would I have been able to do that, or would I not? Um, I remember the, the, when I was in high school and thinking photos of Tiananmen Square where it seemed like one person was willing to take on tanks or... Uh, not in my lifetime, but stories we hear of Rosa Parks and just this stand on the bus of courage, or uh, who knows what. It, it, it brought me back to the last Seinfeld episode as well. Uh, and I don't know anyone who's a Seinfeld fan, but I'm just going to... The last two episodes, this show runs for nine seasons. It's amazing. These last two episodes, it's a million dollars for every 30 second commercial because the show is so popular at the time. And you have the four main characters and they witness a guy getting carjacked by a criminal. And instead of helping him, they're cracking jokes uh, about his size and Kramer has an old school camcorder out and he's like camcordering this. It's, it's like today with all the phones. Everyone can videotape, but is anyone helping? Uh, and the victim notices this as he's getting... Uh, robbed. It ends up telling the cop, and the cop arrests him. And in this small town that they're in, it's a violation um, of, I don't remember what it was called, uh, something interesting where you're supposed to, like a Samaritan law, where if you see a crime happening, you sh we should be kind enough to help. And this is how this season ends, and there's this uproar in America at the time. And I'm maybe dating myself, but half the people are mad because it just seems like we're villainizing the main characters, and so half the people like it and don't because it's, it's causing us to think about life differently in a shocking new way. Uh, and again, it comes to this question then, would, would I have laughed or filmed or, you know what I mean, or would I have been there to help? And I think all of us have moments when we're like, okay, where, what's with courage? Where would I have stepped in? Where is this coming from? Where can we go with this? Um, and what would it look like for us as followers of Jesus, to lead a courageous life. What does that look like? Is it in big opportunities like this, or can we distill it down to smaller ones and see that this should be important? Where does it come from? What's, what's going on here? Uh, for July and August, our book for Bloom that we're reading together 
if you want to join us, is C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. I'll talk about it a little bit later. But So I have a C.S. Lewis quote on this, and I put it on your sheets, along with some Bible verses that we'll be going through today, too. C.S. Lewis says, Courage is not just simply one of the virtues, but the form of every virtue at its testing point. We say that we're committed to justice or grace or mercy, but when that really comes under fire, when that really becomes tested, when something like comes in front of us, like, are we able to step in? Are we able to be the hands and feet of Jesus? A voice, even a hug with someone who is getting hurt, or is it, is it difficult and it's hard? Uh, I've heard it said so many times that fear and courage seem to be the same feeling. Like, you have the same feeling. But this a definition... Uh, that I've heard so many use is courage is the willingness to act in spite of your fear. It's, it, it may feel like the same feeling, but courage is what we, how we respond. It's that choice to fear. It's that we could be paralyzed by it or run, or we can choose to step up and do something different. And what does the scripture say about this? What, what, what does the Bible say, or how does this come into our life? Because I know there's many times we're all confronted with this. I've heard several of you that have had to fire someone at work or let people go or help in the process of um, downsizing and how tough that was and the courage it took to even go above and beyond just the letter to someone and to be there to, to help them find a new job or something else or finding out someone you loved really dear or even yourself, some of us, like getting that report that you had cancer. Like there, there's something that can come when that, like we've got a moment where everyone is going to experience fear and is there, is there courage that we can find from God in these situations going forward? Is there something more in the scriptures that we can find ourselves inspired by as we celebrate Jesus today? First uh, Chronicles 28.20 to Solomon. Um, he says, Be strong and courageous and effective. Do not fear or be dismayed. I know that the eternal God, who is my God, is with you. He will not abandon you or forsake you until you've finished all the work for the temple of the eternal. And so it's this, like, I'm, I'm with you. There's something more to do here. I've given you something bigger. And I know that, Bloom, there's a big piece of, a, of what we talk about when we gather about trusting the Holy Spirit and trusting the passions that God has put on the inside of us and the talents and the dreams and going after those and being like, there's something here. That, that I'm going to trust that God's backing up, that he's with me, that he wants me to do things differently. We've got at least three people in the community that are um, jobless at the moment, finding themselves stepping down from one thing that wasn't right and moving on to something else. Some voluntarily, some not voluntarily, and it, 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 it causes this moment where we have this opportunity to trust and have courage or a moment where maybe we take a safer road and let fear... Uh, kind of have the reins for a little bit. But there's three obstacles that, uh, that really can go into our actions with this. Willful blindness, becoming self-focused, and blurring the moral lines. And I want to talk about these three really quick as we go on. The willful blindness, sometimes we just don't want to know. And this gets in the way of courage when we're talking about courage and following Jesus and standing up and being love or light or a help to someone. Sometimes we don't want to know what's going on. And the reason for last week's message on discouragement is it seems like the climate in our country right now has 
propagating a lot of fear or unsteadiness. And so we saw a lot of discouragement. And we talked about discouragement. But now we're talking about courage in the face of things that are going on. And so, but this willful blindness, we don't want to know what's going on. Or we don't want to be confused with facts or alternative facts or fake news or whatever the jargon of the day is that's coming out. Um, we can't, we just want to bury our heads in the sand right now and not want to know what's going on around us. And I'm, I'm, I'm in this boat sometimes. There's times where I just want to shut off any source of news for weeks at a time because it just gets stressful or gets your mind racing in directions or just, just makes me angry. And then I'll be away from it in a while and I'll feel guilty that I should really know what's happening in the world. I can't just be an ostrich and bury my head in the sand. I need to be a part of this. But it reminds me of this TED Talk. So if you go to TED, I'm sure you're familiar with these. They're 15 minutes or less uh, motivational speeches on things we can do better in the world. There's this lady who talks about this little town, Libby, Montana. And in Libby, Montana, there's a meter reader who would go around to people's houses to see what their gas meters were like. And she started noticing that the people in this little town, were, there was a strange amount of people that were home during the day instead of working, and that they all had oxygen tanks. Like She's like, man, there seems to be so many people on my route that have this. And so she starts looking into this, and she starts having the suspicion that the local mine is somehow accidentally spreading asbestos into the air and that these people might be getting sick. And so she starts saying things about it. And the town, like, ostracizes this lady. Like, they even got bumper stickers that are, like, making fun of her. And she's not allowed in restaurants. And, like, how could you even suggest that our town would be doing this? She's looking for outside research and actually gets help from a scientist from uh, Seattle and even the federal government. And they come in and do studies and they're like, yeah, this is unusual. One of the things, she says her parents died when they were 50, both of them. And she's like, man, my mom, my grandmother and great-grandmother lived to their 90s. And are like, I just figured it was guaranteed for my family these fantastic genes. And mom dies. And she's like, what's going on here? And so she, she gets the federal government and the, these scientists to help. And they find that this, this mortality rate in this town is 85 times the mortality rate of the rest of the country. And so, yeah, obviously something is going on here. This is not, this is not normal. But this story is one of opposition, even when the news comes and the government is coming in with this, of people just being like, I just don't want to hear that. I don't want to be a part. I don't want to know the bad things. And there's sometimes life is so hard that we just, it's just so easy to bury our head in the sand. And so sometimes this courage, we just, it's this willful blindness that we just, don't want to listen to what's going on right now or be a part of that. Uh, this is how the Holocaust happened or different things. It's people being like, I just don't have the mental capacity for this right now. We take this backseat until all of a sudden something becomes such a problem that you're like, man, there's, there should be something we do. Um, the next is that we become self-focused. I think all of us can relate to somewhere on the way it always comes back to us. Like, how does this affect me? Where am I in this? Is this going to make me stressed out? Do I have the time for this? As I'm writing this, I'm driving to work one day, and there is a guy like in the middle of the road, like under his vehicle, obviously trying to get a muffler off that's fallen with like the tiniest towel. And you can tell this thing is hot because he's touching it. And I'm like, I should really help this guy. But I'm running late, and I don't. And I feel so guilty the rest of the way. I'm like, man, I have like leather gloves in the back. I have like towels, wool blanket. We could have easily gotten the muffler off five minutes, and I could have explained it. And no one at work would have cared, but I'm just on my way. And so it's, it's, and it's not that God looks down at us and like, oh, Debbie, you missed, you didn't stop for the muffler guy, like, shame on you. But I feel that sense of a lost opportunity. And I want the courage the next time to be like, no, I, 
I can be five minutes late to work to help someone quick that needs something going on. Um, 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 8. Paul is writing to Timothy and he says, You see, God didn't give us a cowardly spirit, but a powerful, loving, and disciplined spirit. God's gift of faith is like a flame, and when the embers of that fire have cooled, you must fan them again and keep them ablaze. And if we think about even conversations like this, and why is this a reminder today? Because Timothy is being told by Paul, we need to fan this flame. We need to remind ourselves, to stir ourselves back up again. Like, no, we are called to something more than just staying on the sidelines, than just hiding in the bushes, and just keeping watch over ourselves, and that's it. He says, so don't be embarrassed to testify of our Lord for me, his prisoner. Join me in the suffering for the good news and the strength and the power of God. And we see through the New Testament that so many times this, this testifying of our Jesus is actually in our actions and not just in our words. It's how we're living. It's how we're treating the foreigner. It's the story of the Good Samaritan where so many people were busy and walked by, but someone, someone considered an enemy of this person had the time and the wherewithal and took at great cost and time to help and how does that inspire us? How does that fan our flame to get us going to something else? And again, so it's what will people think of me or how will this affect my day sometimes gets in the way of our courage. The third is blurring the moral lines. Sometimes we're willing to let what's truly right and just just not matter. Mark Twain says, It's curious that physical courage should be so common in the world, but moral courage so rare. These moments when we can step in and not scold someone that they're doing something wrong, but offer that hand of help to be there for injustice that's happening. Um, it's so rare that people stand out this way that when it actually happens, you all of a sudden see them on the cover of Time Magazine or like the person of the year because all of a sudden we see this kind of courage and we're like, this person is standing out. They're not, they're taking a stand for something. So many people should have said, this isn't right, this isn't just, and it took one voice to do it, that we, we put these people on a pedestal because we don't see it enough. Um, I think of, I've been reading a lot lately about just even the church's involvement in slavery in, in America and how there were, there were so many churches that were preaching, it's okay, even though we see in scriptures the opposite of this. We decided that this was a moral issue, this was a script, spiritual issue that we just decided to kind of dust under the, the bushes to the point where there were even churches that owned slaves, that, that had their own, not just that they preached it was okay, let, we're going to have our own church slaves because why would we, why would we need to do the work? Let's, let's do this. That is crushing part of history to know that it's that easy to just blur moral lines. But it also means that we're, we're human, and so if they did it at one point, it's not slavery for me, but where am I blurring moral lines that I'm just like willing to let something happen? I know that I get some pushback for my stands on like child labor and things like that, but I'm going to use this as an example again because it's something I'm passionate about and also read up on again lately. Is this, in my own life, where I see it is last night, Hershey's, no, no, what are those things called that I ate way too many of on the couch? Little peanut butter cups. Peanut butter cups. Yeah, yeah. Reese's peanut butter cups. I had a lot of Reese's peanut butter cups. And even this morning, the coffee from Bloom is cheap coffee that I have no idea where it comes from, even though normally we're using Peace Coffee, which is a local fair trade coffee company. Uh, and I know that there's times, Kelly and I have had conversations about 
avocados and waste avocados because kids will get paid and they need a job. But there's, there's, especially there's two large chocolate and candy manufacturers in the U.S. that it is known use child labor, not just child labor where it's having a family, where it's like a warehouse with bunk beds for kids, where they work 20 hours a day and get to sleep just a little bit. They're fed poorly. And it's, it's reported quite a bit. There's huge budgets that are trying to counter this. And yet we're like, but I like my Hershey's, you know, like fair trade chocolate. That's expensive. Come on. Especially Halloween. Even my friends that I know are like, oh, we've got to support something. I want to make sure that the things I'm buying are not enslaving children. And Halloween comes and I'm like, oh, you're the fair trade chocolate person. Well, you give out so much for Halloween. We just throw kids under the bus for Halloween, I guess. And I'm trying to make it kind of... of humorous, even though you can't. I don't know how to do it. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just, again, looking at things where, where are we kind of taking that blind eye or blurring lines to say, like, this is just easier for me, so I'm not going to pay attention to something that really is an injustice that maybe I should take a stand against a little bit. 1 Corinthians 15 says, my dear brothers and sisters, stay, stay firmly planted. Be unshakable. Do as many good works in the name of God and know that your labor is not for nothing when it is for good. This kind of stuff, this is where we start to really stand out. Now, there's big issues, and there's... I'm not saying be a chocolate evangelist and shame your friends if they're using a chocolate that's not, but, but my own decisions, do I ever think about it? Or do I know that something is causing trouble and I still willfully just take part because it's easier or it's cheaper or I like the way it tastes or something like that? Or can I stand out and be like, what is my call? Where, where is there something bigger from Jesus? We're talking about courage, and all courage really is rooted in love. We, we can't talk about it without getting into to love. Anytime real courage is around, there's this deep root for a love for someone else. And that's where this cultivation comes from. But we're in a society that loves to toot, that, that was driven by fear right now. Um, I, I, with family members in the military, I, my grandfather served, and there's this, this honor code that it is... Uh, the worst thing you can do is become dishonorable. So they try so hard to not be dishonored, but it's not rooted in love. It's, it's this basis of fear, this fear of what others will think of me if I'm dishonored. It's, 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 uh, it's a motivation that's, that's twisted a little different. It's not I want to stand out because it's the right thing. I don't want to feel shame of doing the wrong. And almost anything in our, our culture today is such a push for using fear. Um, even you read the articles on like health, we should wear sunscreen because it'll make you healthy or eat certain ways. And we don't say, do it because it'll make you healthy. We're, do it so that your skin doesn't turn into cancerous cells and you die a horrible death. Or I was listening to the news the other night and they're like, uh, they were talking about some neighborhood that burglary was starting to rise in the neighborhood. And it was like that promo at the beginning to get you to watch, like at 10. Like, burglar on the rise for this neighborhood. Like, find out not how to die. Like, was pretty much like, the US, like okay, burglaries on the rise, how not to be killed. Like, you're like, okay, that, we just took it to, not how to make sure your locks are okay. It's how not to die when your house gets burglarized. So it's, it's in the news, right and left. Um, it's in, uh, Richard Nixon said that people react to fear. This is a quote that he used to base his... Decisions like this, people react to fear, not love. They won't teach you that in Sunday school, but it's true. That it's fear, not love. Yet we see 1 John 4, 18 in the gospel saying, love will never invoke fear. 
Perfect love expels fear, particularly the fear of punishment. The one who fears punishment has not been completed through love. We love because he's first loved us. Part of our job as gathering is that reflecting on how much God loves us to the point where it causes us to have this underlying current of love that gets spread to others. That we enlarge our circle of love. We take more people into it. We think differently about our neighbor or our coworker or the sojourner in our land. And we start to have the eyes and the heart of the Jesus that we follow. And it changes us. And it provides courage. And it does something. There isn't this fear-motivated um, area that comes. Yet, I've, I've, we've heard many times in discussion that many of us remember a childhood where it wasn't fall in love with Jesus because he loves you. It was fall in love with Jesus so you don't burn forever. It was, again, fear-driven. We catch on to this, like, oh, love can only go so far. So let's get on the fear train. Even though Jesus, time and time again, love is not rooted in fear, has nothing to do with it, and even casts out any look of fear. So what are we going to do to expand that circle of love in our own lives? Because it's, if we do this, it's this stepping forward and courage anytime a big opportunity presents itself. But I think it starts with small. It starts in ways that we treat each other even here. This is like this incubus where we can... Uh, we can practice this. Who here don't you know that well, that you want to get to know better, that you want to know what's going on? Someone who shared a prayer last week that you don't know their story, that maybe it's time to, to ask deeper questions and to find out what's going on or to take them out for coffee and hear that story more. Who do we know that's, that's moving or needs help or just had babies that we can do something about, that we can step in and start to expand that circle of love and practice it here so that we can take it outside of here and Go to our neighbors and find out what's going on. I remember one of our small groups that met in the fall when we were done with the session. We had this, our last night together, we made a ton of Rice Krispie bars. And so we made plates of Rice Krispie bars and special notes for our neighbors on each side of us that said, I'm here if you need anything. I made these for you. And we gave them our email and cell phone so our neighbors knew how to contact us if, besides knocking on the door if they needed something. And we gave them to our neighbors, and I loved it. It was such a cool experience. And so maybe a takeaway for you today is going home and making a loaf of bread or buying, making some brownies or just even writing a note to your neighbors to let them know what your name is and your contact info. Or if they already know that, just like that reassuring again that, hey, I'm here for you if you need anything else. Maybe it's the person in this community that you're like, man, I've always wanted to exchange numbers or go out for a beer or a coffee and hear stories more. And so maybe it's, 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 it's going there. Or it's even just that willingness to be in prayer all the time to be used so that we have the courage when someone's on the side of the road and needs help or a coworker is having trouble and we can just take those few minutes of our day to stop, to set aside, to be there for them, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to listen, to love, to hug, to do something differently. I think our prayer today is asking God how we can help love people more, to have him show us faces and names of people in our life, specifically this next week, that we can love differently. And maybe it's even just in prayer. Trust me, when you start praying every day for someone and you want good things to come and to, to not be stressful or have trouble happen, like you, they start to be on your mind throughout the day. You start thinking about them. You, it's, it really actually makes it hard to not text and find out, how they're doing, or to check up on them. And so this fanning the flame that we see the scriptures 
telling us today. Part of the day is fanning that so that we'll actually take some kind of micro action that will step us in this direction today. Because this is what it is. This is the invitation to be followers of Jesus. He says make disciples, and one way that we do that is through these acts of love. Inviting people in through our hugs, our acceptance, our love, our actions. Uh, as we dialogue today, we'll look at what this looks like for each one of us, what's hard, what's easy, if we agree, disagree. Uh, but let's pray. Jesus, we need your help. We need you. We do take that prayer right now, that we ask that our eyes be widened to include at least someone else today, maybe from this community, maybe an actual neighbor or coworker, but you give us someone to love differently, that you just expand our capacity to love. Help us to understand how much you love us first so that we can be rooted in that and give it away, that we'll be known as people who love We just thank you for that and help us in our discussion today. In Jesus' name, amen.